This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive. For Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024, I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Los Angeles. Today on the show, Tesla deliveries likely hit a new record in 2023, but will it be enough to hold on to the global EV sales lead? GM sues San Francisco over back taxes and penalties, and EV-related fires have erupted at two of the Detroit three automakers in recent weeks. Plus, Cox Automotive chief economist Jonathan Smoke joins the show to give his outlook on 2024. I think as we go into 2024, it's going to be our most normal year yet in uh, five years. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Analysts expect that Tesla will post another record quarter for electric vehicle deliveries, but the company will likely fall short of CEO Elon Musk's ambitious full-year target of $2 million. Analysts tracking Tesla stock expect it to post quarterly sales of more than 483,000 EVs. That's according to estimates compiled by Bloomberg. That should be enough to secure Tesla's place as the world's largest EV maker for at least one more year. The analysts project that Tesla sold a total of 1.82 million EVs in 2023, which would easily top the 1.6 million all-electric vehicles sold by Chinese automaker BYD, which also sells plug-in hybrids. But BYD sold more than 526,000 EVs in the fourth quarter, almost 9% more than the Tesla estimates, giving it more momentum than Tesla heading into 2024. Meanwhile, China's second largest automaker, Geely, is setting a sales target of 1.9 million for 2024. That's up 13% from last year. Geely says it sold almost 1.7 million vehicles in 2023, up 18% from a year earlier. The company says December sales rose 3% from the same period in 2022. General Motors says the city of San Francisco unfairly taxed it $108 million over seven years, despite the automaker having very low sales and almost no personnel in the city. In a lawsuit, the company says San Francisco used the presence of its cruise self-driving unit to tie its tax bill to a portion of GM's global revenue. That meant more than $3 billion was subject to city taxes last year alone. GM argued that San Francisco-based Cruise is wholly separate from GM and only began generating a small amount of revenue last year. A spokesperson for San Francisco's city attorney said the office is reviewing the complaint and will respond in court. And EV-related fires have erupted at two of the Detroit three automakers over the course of a month. On November 19th, a vehicle caught fire at the Stellantis North America headquarters in the Detroit area. Fire officials say it was an electric vehicle prototype. No injuries or building damage was reported, and the fire was ruled unintentional. Stellantis could not be reached for more information on the incident. 
Last month, production at General Motors Factory Zero in Detroit was temporarily halted after a fire broke out. GM is investigating the cause of the fire at the plant, where it assembles the GMC Hummer EV pickup and SUV and the Chevrolet Silverado EV. A company spokesperson says early indications are that a forklift punctured a battery materials container. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, Tesla deliveries are likely to hit a record in 2023. How does Tesla's sales race against BYD affect the incumbent automakers releasing EVs this year? Yeah, it should be really interesting. On the one hand, you know, Tesla is going to have the benefit of the new Cybertruck, uh, giving it some new life in the showroom, the virtual showroom, I guess, or the in the in the galleries where they they have a, that they have stores in fancy malls. Um, but the challenge from BYD is very serious. Both brands are growing really fast. BYD is making a lot of inroads in Europe. Uh, there's they're still not in the U.S. market, but there is some speculation that maybe, especially if they build a factory in Mexico, uh, they could start selling vehicles here in the U.S., which would be very interesting. Could potentially even qualify for um, Inflation Reduction Act credits, uh, which would be curious politically. But for the incumbent automakers, it is just another layer of the challenge they have trying to catch up to Tesla. You know, they're still in really early designs They're They don't have the volume. They don't have a lot of experience making EVs. You know, Tesla is so much further ahead. And we saw what they did last year. Cutting prices to push their sales growth is just going to keep putting more pressure on the incumbents and make it more costly and more painful for them to make the transition to EVs. Gotcha. Coming up, Cox Automotive Chief Economist Jonathan Smoke joins the show to talk about what the industry can expect in 2024. That's next on Daily Drive. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. The part of recontract that makes my job more satisfying is being able to get more vehicles through and do a better quality inspection. The whole process is simplified. I have doubled the amount of inspections and repairs I can do a day. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The industry will continue to grow in 2024, but not at the pace we saw last year. That's what most analysts say they expect this year, with many forecasting around 16 million new vehicle sales. Cox Automotive expects just 2% growth to 15.6 million new vehicles. The firm's chief economist, Jonathan Smoke, says that would mean a return to somewhat normal conditions for the industry this year. We talked about his outlook for 2024 and the trends he's watching in the new year. I reached him at his office in Atlanta. Jonathan Smoke, welcome back to Daily Drive. It's great to be with you again, Jamie. Before we get too far into the future of 2024, can you first kind of sum up for us the chaos of the pandemic and the chip shortage, really roiled sales over the last few years? And are we now sort of back to normal? I would say we're 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 getting back to normal in many categories. Uh, clearly, we've had 
four crazy years and we've had to navigate different challenges and some of which were created by the challenges that we were navigating just sort of the year before. And I think as we go into 2024, it's going to be our most normal year yet in uh, five years. And I definitely think a sort of heavy emphasis on many things uh, normalizing. But, you know, we have some things that are continuing. So, uh, you know, like the transition to, to uh, electric vehicles is, is a big sort of factor that had nothing to do with uh, uh, COVID or the supply chains, but, you know, is very much a part of the disruption uh, impacting the, uh, the industry. We can certainly say that things like the supply chain issues are now behind us. Uh, it appears like the worst of demand from an affordability perspective is behind us, and particularly the used car market that has been suffering the last two years. We we believe we're past the bottom there, and I think uh, we've seen most of the big used vehicle price decline. So uh, that's especially an area of the market that we're anticipating being far more normal in the year ahead. You have a pretty modest outlook for 2024, only 2% growth to 15.6 million light vehicles. Uh, what do you see as the reasons for the slow growth? Is, is it, I'm guessing, a combination of some tailwinds and some headwinds, or is it just sort of a, a stasis steady as she goes? It is a combination of factors. First and foremost, slow growth is the right label for the economy as well. We're seeing the impact of two years of aggressive tightening by the Fed. And good news is we probably are, are at the peak of rates and we're, we're going to see no more increases, but not a lot of relief there. So job creation has been slowing, will slow even more. We're looking at similar 1% to 2% growth in GDP next year. And I think a lot of the sort of symptoms of that, if you're creating fewer jobs, you eventually need fewer incremental vehicles being sold. But likewise, the, the high rates not coming down very aggressively really put a lid on, on what's possible uh, in terms of the demand. And I think one of the characteristics we're seeing in the second half and particularly the fourth quarter of this year has been evidence that we are reaching the end of the pent-up demand that people have been lined up to buy new vehicles at whatever cost. And at today's prices and rates, we seem to have exhausted a lot of that. So going forward, we, we can have growth and we certainly are not forecasting declines, but it's really constrained. And it's one that I think every incremental sell from this point forward is going to take a lot more effort than has been the case the last couple of years. You mentioned the important influence of interest rates on auto sales and on the industry. You know, last year you were very critical of the Fed's, you know, slow and then sudden reaction to high and persistent inflation, uh, raising rates and raising rates. At this point now, do you give the central bank credit for seeming to have pulled off the elusive soft landing? I can simultaneously give them credit and still be critical. Uh, you know, would have done would have done things a little bit differently, and in particular, I think we were uh, really pushing the envelope this summer with the with the rhetoric and the continued quantitative tightening while the Treasury was issuing hundreds of millions of, of dollars and you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of bonds that basically cause rates to move even higher without the Fed doing any more rate increases. Um, because I think that really weighed on a lot of what we were seeing late in the summer and into the fall. But thankfully, 
it does look like we're going to land the plane and we are not going to have what ultimately would have been the big worry, job losses, um, because that, that would have set us back and no question would have negatively impacted vehicle demand until, until we navigated through that. And so I, you know, we no longer worry about rate increases and maybe some of the rhetoric there, but next year is going to be hyper-focus on when are they going to be making cuts and uh, how, much, how much relief will we see. And that's where we're pretty conservative in expectation for, uh, for next year. We, we think it's very likely to be less than a percentage point of, of cuts make their way to what consumers feel. And that essentially means that we can look forward to incremental demand, but you know, the market is still pretty constrained. So you know, before the pandemic, we were cruising along 17 million plus sales a year. Is the market sort of reset? itself back to a 15 to 16 million range? And if so, why? Well, I think affordability, uh, again, if you do the math in terms of income that consumers and the vehicles they buy, and you look at credit as well, so through the lens of, of credit tiers, uh, you can draw the conclusion pretty quickly that we have lost the potential of selling about 10% of the market that we were able to sell in the decade before the pandemic. Uh, some of that was already at play because uh, manufacturers were increasingly moving to more expensive vehicles and eliminating so-called entry-level priced uh, vehicles. But that accelerated and got even more complicated with uh, credit tightening and interest rates going up as well. Um, so yes, I would say at this point, we just haven't seen evidence of the supply rapidly building until we got into the fourth quarter of, of this year. Uh, but we're already seeing that the market probably can't uh, sustain uh, deliveries closer to 16 million because otherwise supply starts to build, build up. So something's got to give and what's giving is discounting and, and higher incentives. And I think we're already seeing evidence that the market can't sustain uh, a pace at 16 million or more. Uh, with with uh, sort of today's affordability. That was not lost on me to see inventories keep going up, especially in these last few months. And now, I mean, it's like 75% back to where they were before the pandemic. You know, during the supply shortage and all the great profits that dealers and automakers were enjoying, we kept hearing these automakers talk about discipline, um, <laughs> keeping their production and inventory in line to avoid the big discounts. And now it looks like we're heading right back into the old bad habits. Oh, and it didn't take us long to get there. I mean, <laughs> this time last year, that was all the rage. You know, looking back at our our forecasts and expectations, the thing that that I got most wrong about this year was believing that there could be some semblance of discipline that would last at least another year. But, you know, for several months in a row now, we've seen incentives up over 130% year over year. We are rapidly returning to ways of, of the past. And ironically, all of that happened when the UAW strike started <laughs> was really when the inventories, it was timing because major players like Toyota finally got to the point that they were back to peak performance again. And as a result, we really hadn't reached the point that you could say that the industry was fully recovered. Well, now we can say it's fully recovered, but it's dealing with a world that has limited demand. 
Uh, just a few minutes ago, I, I checked your Spotify account, and I, I don't see a new playlist for the 2024 Outlook. Uh, do you have any tunes on your mind? Are you think are you maybe going to do one or not necessarily? I I do I do have tunes in mind. They are largely ones that I don't really want to reveal until we're into January. But I will tell you the theme. We're going to be back at at NADA in uh, Vegas. And Vegas, you know, really makes you want to go to the club and and uh, get out on the dance floor. So I, I will share one that I think perf- perfectly encapsulates what is behind uh, our forecast and and how it meshes with dealers' uh, uh, kind of lack of optimism for for next year. And so I want to feature dance songs, picking the early dance hit from CNC Music Factory, going to make you sweat. Everybody dance now because. You know, we're going to sell more vehicles next year. It's going to be it's going to be constrained, but it's going to take a lot of effort on the part of everyone involved, manufacturers, dealers. There's no more uh, just uh, having people lining up to take take the vehicle off your hands. Uh, I'm sure you get more suggestions than you ever want, but I can just share. I have been humming a little Maxine Nightingale from the disco era because it feels like we're right back where we started from. That's a good one because I, I want a full heavy hitting club mix. And trust me, I've got some really fun ones uh, sort of planned to be on the uh, floor of, of NADA blasting. So, yeah, please send, send me your suggestions. I, I would much rather have a huge, uh, huge list. Before I let you go, I want to talk a little about EVs. I mean, one brand that's really been ahead of the curve on uh, discounting on dealing with uh, excess production has been Tesla uh, with repeated price cuts. I'm wondering how you look at the Tesla phenomenon. Is Do you see it as a sign that the brand's appeal is waning in any ways? Or And, and I guess separate from that is how much of a threat is a you know a big player in that segment cutting prices so steeply? Uh, how big of a threat is that to the incumbent automakers that aren't as far along on their electrification journey? Uh, oh yeah, so so Tesla's in a unique spot, and I do think that the moves that they've made is a reflection of uh, the evolution of demand that they're seeing. They, like the industry, has mostly sold to all the eager early adopters and. It takes more effort. Some of what Tesla did this year was directly also to ensure that more vehicles qualified for tax credits. So it made an even bigger economic difference for a consumer on the margin. And I do think that this is the worst possible competitor for a traditional incumbent to be up against uh, with a command position, with a brand that basically represents if you're going to buy an electric vehicle, you're you know you're buying from the company that has established great success. But to then wreak havoc on um, the you know the economics and pricing, they don't have to deal with discounting relative to MSRP. They change the MSRP and the transaction price sort of immediately when they when they make changes and can dramatically move the market. And they also make money in other ways, so they can afford to do that at a loss uh, on a per unit basis because the uh, the charging network, the tax credits business, uh, all of those things can still can still make it profitable for them. So uh, it, it is a very tough competitor to be, to be up against for the for the industry. 
next year you project EV sales rising to 10% of the market. I mean, how do you see it getting there? Is that a, is that more Tesla? Are we going to see more production from the likes of General Motors? We do think we're going to see more production. I think Tesla is is continue will continue to see declining share of the market, but they will see growth as well. It's it's simply that they are competing and uh, giving way to uh, to others that will be playing in the market. There's tremendous amount of vehicles in the pipeline, and so there's no question um, that we believe we will see growth. And I think that's. EVs have gotten a bad knock in the second half of this year under the false perception that sales are declining. No, sales are growing. Uh, they're just not growing as fast as the delivery of vehicles uh, available to to, uh, to sell. And that's the reality of the incredible investment that uh, has been put into that pipeline, which is a function of years of planning and regulations and incentives, and it's inevitable. So it's it's a case study in microeconomics that, as an economist, um, uh, it seems to sort of illustrate what you know what will happen and and to have this unique situation that uh, has new players in the field and and all the geographic differences that add to the mix. It it uh, I think I think part of what people need to understand about next year is understand the pockets of success, understand where adoption is happening and in what segments and what are the clues that relate to uh, the kind of housing those people live and and the cost of electricity and the, the extent of the charging network because those are the kinds of things that if we're going to be successful getting to 40 percent or 50 percent of the market then we're going to have to know um, what it takes uh, to to uh, to be successful and we're going to be able to learn that but it's going to be it's going to be a bumpy long journey well, as we roll through the journey of 2024, we'll be uh, keeping an eye on your projections and keeping in touch with you throughout the year, as, as we always do. I uh, look forward to seeing you in Las Vegas and, uh, and throughout the year. And thanks again for joining us today to talk about uh, this turning point in the industry. Of course. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer, as well as Kurt Nagel of our sibling publication, Crane's Detroit Business, for his reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on sales results, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with Clario CEO Mark Wallace on the enduring role of low-voltage batteries in an EV era. As vehicles have continued to advance, especially with EVs, automakers want to make sure they have backup power on the low voltage network. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.